Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, everybody. Hey, uh, it's time to go buy a new iPhone. Get up and at it. If you want to be perfect like the rest of the world, grab yourself an iPhone 6. And I'm going to get myself an iPhone 6 and an iWatch. And I'm going... You watch what? I watch an eye watch but you're watching what an eye watch you're watching an eye you're actually watching cbs because it's the eye network right okay move along (laughs) nothing to see here uh today we are talking not just about um the wonderful announcement about an iphone 6 and don't forget the iphone 6 plus 6s is it 6 plus 6 plus 6 plus and the the iWatch is that what they're calling it? Apple Watch. I don't. I I haven't seen a name here yet. Apple Watch seems like someone's going to throw an apple at you. I know. So, <laughs> You're watching out as somebody an throws watch. fruit. iWatch. <laughs> anyway, whatever they're calling it, all of the cool people have one. It, it's it's called an Apple Watch. It says, "Sorry, Ugh, no really? iWatch." Bummer. They missed a great opportunity. Oh yeah, you it was nearly just call it the iClock. It was nearly perfect. Nearly? Nearly perfect. Today we're talking about perfectionism on the show. And, you know, all of a sudden, now about every two years, you have to go buy the next product to make you look perfect. Of course. But an Apple Watch, if that's what we're calling it. Mm -hmm. um, That's what they're calling it. An Apple Watch would obviously, if if you just think of it this way, you know once you have your Apple Watch, you'll be perfect. Well, yeah, but you can't get it until 2015. Yeah. Great. Sorry. <laughs> so, so no how, perfection until next year. How am I going to be on time? I don't know. But you know what? It's going to do more. I hear it's going to um, diaper your baby. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You just take your watch off, I guess, and set it on the baby, and it'll change your baby's Done. diaper. There's oh, an app for that. But there's three different versions. You have Apple Watch, Apple Watch Sport, which is the most durable, and the Apple Watch Edition, which is an 18-karat gold version. So wow. that's the one that you'd want if you want to be perfect. Exactly. But for the time being, I guess you can just strap your iPhone to your wrist using duct tape. <laughs> I've seen that. That works. It's great, except when you take the tape off, it, it you know, it's kind of like it a takes waxing. Takes the hair off, yeah. You do a waxing on your wrist. <laughs> Two for one. Make sure you wax your wrist before you put your iPhone tape to your wrist. Hey, uh, today, though, folks, we're going to get into perfection. Do you ever feel like you need to be perfect? Because I, I don't actually have that in me. I don't either. I'm very okay with just super mediocrity, I call myself. Super mediocrity. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the highest level of mediocre. Extra mediocrity? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yeah. It's extra, I think, is the level below super, isn't it? Extraordinary mediocrity? Is that... yeah, I don't even want to push it. I, okay. I just like to be mediocre, super mediocre, because then you don't need to be perfect. Now, I know there are a lot of people that battle perfectionism. And mm-hmm. you know what? And then when you get into religious groups— Mm. Church members, mm-hmm. faithful that attend a church, then all of a sudden they they feel even a higher need to try to be perfect, to do everything perfect. So today we are going to be discussing this uh, this this concept. 
how do you handle perfection? Is it a concept or an ideal? I I guess it is an ideal. Um, one of the things I want to do is blow it up. Okay. I unless you're bowling, <laughs> you're not going to have a perfect game. Even then, it's still really difficult. Even then, unless you're really good. Yeah. Like you know, I mean, I, I don't want to brag, but kind I'm kind of a I'm, big deal. Yeah, I'm a pretty big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but and you're not perfect. Not perfect. Have you bowled a perfect game before, Matt? Um, in in like in in 2014. in real life, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or on Nintendo. I I have bowled a perfect game on my bowling app. Wow. Okay, that's imp- inspirational. Yeah, I have never bowled a perfect game. I was yeah. in a league once, though. Have you? Were yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Do you still have the shirt? I do. Actually, well, no, I actually got torn up. Ah, they took yeah. it away from you. No, I yeah. I, I no, had it. Be, hey, be honest. No, it was used in the garden and stuff. So oh. that's how bad of a bowler you are. You lost your shirt, and it's now garden. It's Fodder, a garden yes. tool. Hey, um, b- but before we get into this, we just let's just do a little headliner here. Headliners from the Matt Townsend Show: A summary of stories that you might have missed. Sean's been putting together perfectly. An outline on perfection. <laughs> Not anywhere near perfectly. What you've been doing some research because I did it's, actually. It's, this 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 is spreading. It's spreading. Well, this whole ideal of perfectionism is just I don't know. Sometimes it goes. Sometimes people go overboard. Well, that's the that's the problem. They're trying to go overboard. Yeah, they want to be above board. Okay, perfect. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> But um, an interesting story on Nightline from John Stossel, one of my favorite reporters. I love him, yeah. I, I think he does a fantastic job. Takes on the world. It's titled, Kids Pushing Too Hard for Perfection. Um, I'm not sure what year this came out. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a date on it. But he he interviewed a, um, a little girl by the name of Carly Minder. And she's an example of the pitfalls of perfection, according to Mr. Stossel. And she's driven to be perfect. It... <laughs> Well, it, and so perfection seemed to work for this little girl for a while. Well, she did well in school, and yeah. so after kindergarten, she's placed in a program for gifted kids. Right. Okay. Now she's 10 years old, and she reads and writes at a 14-year-old level. Wow. Okay. That's Near, good. That's, I mean, that's above perfect. Exactly. For a 10-year-old. Parents are very happy, of course. Yeah. But... Um, that perfectionism that she's yeah. – not only does she use it in her schoolwork, she's starting to use it in her everyday life now. And Uh-oh. so it's starting to hurt her. Her room no longer looks like a little girl's room. Now it looks like a surgical has, center. Well, she has nothing on her walls uh. because she cannot handle the imperfections of everyday life. Yeah. She took everything out of her room that made it look messy and put it in a storage closet. And she's still not satisfied with her room. There's scratches on my stuff. There's dust I can never seem to get away. My cat, this is a quote from her, I love Juliet to death, but she needs, and fur gets on my clothes, and I can't stand it. Oh, it sounds like someone's going to get rid of their cat. Uh-huh. If you're looking but for she, a cat, give us a call. There you go. She's lost most of her friends, though. I think that they were too imperfect. See, here we go. She says. See, that's the dilemma. See, when mm-hmm. we get into this perfection thing, it's not just my standard. It becomes my standard for you and it's, my cat yeah. and my food and my neighbor and my friends. And then eventually we have to isolate ourselves because that's probably the only way you can be perfect, isn't it? To isolate yourself or whatever you're measuring to some minute, finite point that it becomes irrelevant. Yeah. 
it 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 just came became too much for this little girl. That's sad. I think so too. Girls got to live. They she needs to come play basketball in my front room with my boys. Oh, there you go. But here, this was this was the telling quote for me though, because John Stossel sat down and asked her to tell me what's imperfect imperfect about me. Oh, Stossel actually asked Game her this on. question. She's, what did she say? Her quote was, "Just the way your your hair is and your eyebrows." <laughs> <laughs> so he said, "So I'm annoying to be with," and she said, "Well, it annoys me." Yeah. Now, this cute little girl may have other issues. Let's just throw that out there. I mean, that's possible. Because sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, this is about control. Sometimes it's about obsessiveness. Yes. So that's there's true. other issues that may be at play. But she's, you know, she might be a little bit of the extreme, but I worry more about every other little girl mm-hmm. that obsesses because her legs are too big or her hair isn't beautiful and long and she right. wants to be perfect like all the models. Well, Psychologist Sylvia Rim was also interviewed uh, by John Stossel, and she said expecting perfection is not a good thing because it can inhibit performance by making kids so afraid to fail that they won't even try. Right. By the way, that's why I expect nothing from James on the board. Exactly. Nothing. But I'm sure that's what we're going to get into with our guest that's coming up. Dr. Jeffrey Reber will be joining us from BYU. Uh, He's been doing research on this. He's been doing – he's going to give us the insight of what he's been learning. And again, that makes it so everybody on the show – you can all relax. This show doesn't need to be perfect. It's perfect in its imperfection. Ooh. It's perfectly imperfect. Okay. And that's good enough for me. Okay. Get this right, James. We're out of here. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. Good. We're okay. having cookies apparently too. A little bit okay. later. Up next, Jeffrey Reber from BYU is going to be uh, joining us, talking to, about, talking to us about perfection we will be right back. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're taking on this idea of perfectionism. You know, it sneaks out on us. I think a lot of times the marketing world understands we all want to be the best we can be. But then we may end up taking it a little farther and we end up going to where perfection is is the guide. If we can't be the best, let's not play the game. I've even seen certain kids in Little League or parents actually more uh, more likely, if their kids couldn't be perfect, you're not going to play. We're not going to start you if you can't get this this you know this drill right. So we wanted to talk to an expert on this subject. A, uh, let's he's perfect, but B, uh, he's a professor that studied it for heaven's sakes. Dr. Jeffrey Jeffrey S. Reber is an associate professor of psychology at Brigham Young University, past president of the Society for Theoretical and Philosophical Psychology. He's published uh, more than 20 peer-reviewed articles, 10 book chapters, and his own two books. He also um, is uh, likes and, and studies critical thinking about psychology, relationship between faith and psychology, and the meaning and possibility of altruism. He has his Ph.D. from Brigham Young University. He's married four perfect kids. <laughs> Jeffrey Reber, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, let's get, let's get real. Absolutely. I'm going to ask the pro. Perfection. Yeah. Other than this show, where do you find it? Everywhere. 
Okay. Talk I have everywhere. Us. I was uh, teaching a, a, on this topic and someone raised their hand and said, perfectionism is the alcoholism of Christianity. Oh, interesting. So it's, we're it's inebri- rampant. We get inebriated. <laughs> we are. We're, we're all over. And what's interesting is um, like where I could see perfection is in a landscape in the mountains. Yeah. Right? Beautiful. But it's it's it could be asymmetrical. It could be sure. – and when you look at it and you look at it closely, it's, you know, it's not so perfect. That gets to the heart of, uh, I think, the issue of perfectionism. It's based on an ideal that we can conceive of in our mind, but we can never actualize in the world. Why would a human create an ideal that you can't actualize? I don't think we can help it. Yeah. We're imaginative. Yeah. We're always striving. So it just comes naturally to imagine a version of myself that doesn't overeat. Yeah. Or a version of myself that doesn't uh, make mistakes on tests. Now, is, is striving for perfection different than, different than being a perfectionist? Because uh, it seems like one of those could be like a psychological term. You're yeah. maybe, you know, you're a perfectionist. You have to have it perfect. A perfectionism is locked into a relentless pursuit of this ideal. Okay. But all of us have inherited an understanding of perfection that is based on this sense of an ideal flawless right. self. So I think we're all caught up in it to, to different degrees. You yeah. know, the extreme perfectionist would be someone who suffers from body dysmorphic disorder. Yeah. This is a person who might be beautiful, might even be a supermodel, looks in the mirror and thinks there's a flaw. Oh, there it is. And yeah. they will go through plastic surgeries. Some of these people will actually operate on themselves. They'll try to cut well, they really their are. own face to try to remove the flaw. Some, of course, will go on massive uh, weight loss diets. I mean, so there are people at extreme That's ends. That's the extreme end. Yes. That, and so if somebody's at that stage, they, they, they need intervention. They need a lot they of do. help. They do. They need some help because they're, they're distorting their version of the ideal self right. as well as how they actually look. Yeah, I guess that is. So it's a perversion. Well, and that's point. even interesting. Um, uh, Joan Rivers. Yeah. Yep. She, nobody on earth loved like plastic surgery more than her. She That's wrote right. a book on it. And everyone who looked at her yeah. knew that the surgery was making her yeah. look worse. Yeah. You knew it was getting to you. But she couldn't see it. That's right. She's locked into that ideal. Yeah. We, um, so there's that, there's that kind of that ideal. And then there seems like there's just the day to day person yeah. that then kind of wraps it all up. Well, I'm, what? Am I not supposed to be my best? Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to be my best. Mm-hmm. It's subtle, yeah. I think, in most of our cases. I notice, for example, I will tell my children, I have a son who, when he comes home from school, if he didn't get 100%, that's a problem. Oh, yeah. And uh, he'll usually say, Dad, I got 110%, but I could have gotten 120 And I'm like, son, I wow. want you to go to school and fail a test right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to be yeah. you know, caught up in this, in this thing. If you need a son, a tutor for your son, yeah. so he can... Do more poorly, I guess. Send them to my You're house. the guy. Because <laughs> my kids, if they bring us home 100, we're like, okay, what happened? What right. Do do? What are you doing? Well, I noticed that I tell, I tell my children, I don't want you to be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. But when they actually make mistakes, I often don't tolerate them very well. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, by example, I'm teaching them perfectionism. But we think that we're just being a good parent, just helping them strive to be their best. That's right. Can't you do better than 95? What happened with those other five points? Yeah. They were achievable for you. Yeah. Why didn't you reach a little harder? 
and a little higher. Yeah. And to be honest, there's a great deal of evidence of people who strive for perfection, who create beautiful art, yeah. build beautiful architecture, achieve wonderful advances in science, humanities, technology. Yeah. So it seems it's very appealing to want to be a perfectionist because it seems to generate all sorts of wonderful accomplishments. Well, and it seems in the end, no matter what you do, it's a lot of stuff, unless you're just measuring, I don't know. I mean, if you're measuring a test score, yeah, that's great. You could have the perfect score on the ACT, mm. but a lot of the things that matter most aren't measurable. That's exactly like, right. You're just honest. Yeah. Well, are you 100% honest? Right. Well, yeah, sure. Well, this is one of the challenges of perfectionism is we don't have a clear measuring stick for how well we're approximating the ideal self. That's right. Yeah, because your measuring is not mine. Mine's not yours. So what do we do? We look at other people. Mm-hmm. And if we feel like we're doing better than them, well, we may not be perfect, but we're closer to perfection. So true. And it breeds then what we call in psychology social downward comparison. You look at people worse off than you, you feel yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. But also upward social comparison. You see people who are doing better than you and you oh, feel yeah. down. You so feel it's always your, own, your, your identity, your value is in relation. It is. So you either have to look down on people to feel better or be under people to stay worse. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you focus on this perfect ideal and everyone falls short of that. So you're you're always depressed or frustrated or despairing on that note. So you turn to others and say, well, at least I could be doing better than somebody and get a little kick out of it. Mm -hmm. But then you become uneven in your relationships. That's what C.S. Lewis used to say. Um, It's not that we have to be the richest person in the world. We just have to be richer than our neighbors. That's right. We just got to be able to build a house up on the high yeah. hill and yeah. literally look down upon the people who are not as well off as we are. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. the minions. <laughs> that's right. As long as we can look down on the minions, um, that's, I guess, where this gets a little problematic, right? Mm-hmm. Because so what are some things that, that, we sh- that would tell us we're a perfectionist? Well, what are some you, things I should look for? If you have children, you'll see it there really Really easily because this is something people don't just practice for themselves. They can envision the ideal child. Yeah. And so if you're hard on your kids when they make mistakes, if you don't have tolerance for them spilling water on the dinner table, if every time they do something wrong, you're on them about it, you're not really allowing for errors, for mistakes, for growth. You know, there's some people who talk about failing up. Yeah. People need a chance to fail to progress and grow. And if you're what we sometimes call snowplow parents, it used to be helicopter parents, yeah. now yeah. it's snowplow parents. <laughs> if you plow the way clear so that your children never have to face failure, never have to deal with making mistakes, you're clearly a perfectionist. Well, and you're setting them up to be T-boned by a That's snowplow right. someday. Yeah, someone I mean, else's someone snowplow. Else's snowplow. That's right. So in parenting, you see it very well. Yeah. And of course, in your own, in your own life, if you always feel like you're coming up short – If you find yourself saying nobody's perfect all Mm -hmm. the time, Um, I think I overheard you earlier mentioning resignation. Some people just say I've given up on the whole pursuit of perfection because I can't compete. Then you're still obsessing over it in some way. Yeah, it's still a part of how you measure your worth. It is. Your value. It's almost inescapable because it's a cultural value that we've all inherited and don't realize how much it influences our lives. Well, and some of it, I mean, talk about the paradox because, yeah. I mean, just get into that because that seems like it confuses us a little bit. It's, it's a great thing to strive to be mm-hmm. our best, yet don't, Absolutely. don't go for perfection. 
the paradox has two parts. One, and this comes from philosophy. I don't want to bore anybody, but yeah. uh, it's important we understand our roots on this. Uh, one comes from Plato. Plato said there's a world of ideal forms and then there's a world we live in, which is full of errors, mistakes, yeah. flux and change. So we have this uh, – and Plato said we have an ability to imagine a perfect triangle even though we can never realize it in this life. This is kind of the paradox and curse of perfectionism. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I can imagine a perfect version of myself. But I can never make it realized in this world. It's always going to be out of reach. So we keep pursuing something that we cannot achieve. The other part of the paradox is it's individualistic. We have inherited a view of I'm the focus of yeah. everything. Yeah. So we think perfection is what I achieve within my own life. We don't think of a communal perfection, yeah. a relational perfection. Right. We think of individualistic perfection. And, and it this seems things, it's like things oriented. It's – yeah. Because it's not – we don't even – it doesn't seem like we try to be perfect in our demeanor, in our mm. thinking. You know what I mean? In our, in our expectations of others. We try to be perfect in our home, in our clothes, yeah. in all these things. I would say it's in our circle of influence. Yeah, Anything we're engaged control. with and feel like we are responsible for, yeah. we try to do it as perfectly as possible. And that's why parenting, I think, is a big example. It's, it is a great example. But work is another place. People yeah. don't have tolerance for making mistakes in their work. Well, so, yeah, so you don't dare risk. That's right. So you may not, you may not get it. You may not be advanced because you're not risking. You may not be promoted because you're not trying things because you don't dare to fail. Exactly. Your fear of not being perfect stymies your ability to risk, to act, to perform, to really realize a potential that you might so have. So it is. It's damning. It stops us from growing. Yeah. Or it, it makes our growth in comparison to others. And that's what I think the other part of the paradox is. It imperfects our relationships with our, our loved ones, yeah. our spouse, our children. It makes us uneven with them. In fact, that's huge. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Jeffrey S. Reber. He's an associate professor of psychology at Brigham Young University. We are talking perfectionism. When we come back, he's going to talk about the impact that this paradigm, this ideal, I guess, yeah. has on our relationships, those people that matter most to us. Stick with us, folks. If you've got this going on in your life, we've got some solutions coming up. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Friends to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we are in studio here with Dr. Jeffrey Reber, and we're talking about perfection and its impact on our relationships. You know, it's one thing to try to be your best, you know, strive to be your best, but it might help us to blow up this uh, the myth of perfection. And Dr. Reber is here to help us with that. He is an associate professor of psychology at Brigham Young University, past president of the Society for Theoretical and Philosophical Psychology. He's written a bunch of books. There are chapters in books and a couple of books. And uh, today he's teaching us about perfectionism. Um, relationships. Before we took the break, you were talking yeah. about – because it's not – when I'm a perfectionist, it, it's, it's how I see everything. Yeah. So if I'm in a relationship with you, then now you become a problem with my perfection. 
Absolutely. It, it colors everything we see. The first consequence, I think, is it makes us selfish. Yeah. We just – we're always – looking to see how we're doing. We're focused inwardly. They'll do these studies with uh, time diaries and it'll just randomly an alarm will go off and you're supposed to write yeah. down whatever you're thinking. And 97% of our thoughts tend to be on ourselves. I mean, we're very selfish yeah. anyways. Yeah. And so perfection just adds this other element where we're now constantly fixated on how we're doing. We're having a conversation right now. And yeah. if I'm a perfectionist, I'm thinking, how am I doing in this, how am I in doing this in radio this interview? Yeah. Am I doing okay? Isn't and I'm not really listening to you. Yeah. I'm not really processing I know, I noticed that. I thought that was rude. I'm very rude that way. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you're doing great, Jeff. Oh, thanks. I you're nailing that. it. <laughs> but, but I think that's it is we get self-absorbed, don't we? And then yeah. we just kind of loop on ourselves, yes. which makes your world so small. It does. Because it's about you and your you know, event. And it makes everyone around you. Into an instrument for your goal. Yeah, you're you're now you're a thing. You're a thing for me. Yeah. So either my spouse helps me on my journey to perfection, or she doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, and they then make it harder. I may have to get a new spouse who right. will help me on my path. Well, and then instead of dealing with my issue of perfectionism, I, I'll make the story about you. Oh, that's the other. Yes, we love. I to love a good story that I can blame someone. Project onto others our own issues. Yeah. Right. So we are very good at criticizing our loved ones about their imperfections. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, yeah. theirs are so obvious. They are. <laughs> you can hardly see mine. It's it's so sad, but that's kind of how we think. We do. Ours are just little imperfections that we're working so hard on, but theirs are yeah. obvious, glowing, bad. You know what? What am I supposed to do if if you live with a perfectionist? What are you supposed to do? Because two, you also would feel judged all the time. Like that's right. Can I not do anything right? So this social mirror, this reflection. Is that you're just messed up. Well, they're necessarily in comparison with you, right? Your right. spouse is someone you measure your perfection against. Your children, you measure your perfection against. So you're necessarily going to try to demean them, yeah. be above them in some ways. So you're going to injure the relationship without question. Mm. But how do you, how do you recover yeah. a relationship in a perfectionistic, say, marriage? Yeah. Well, I think we have to learn that we have a misconception of perfection. If we don't understand that the way we have viewed perfection is not the only way to view it, I think we're in some trouble. Well, maybe, too, that's what I can do. So even if my partner's the perfectionist, I can view that they are a perfectionist. Sure. And if I can just get clear that they that's their tendency, that's not yeah. my reality, just that knowledge might begin to make me – that awareness. Yeah, identifying. Then you. I don't need to take everything as offensive. Yeah. I think the problem is most of us are both – yeah. You know, perfectionist in our yeah. marriage in some yeah. way. Oh, yeah. And we, or, or we're like a niche perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. We, we have yeah. this little niche we like to – yeah, I like this perfect. Right. You know, right. This don't little, mess with my shop. That's right. My cave. <laughs> that's right. I don't care about what the bathroom looks like, but don't mess with my cave. Yeah. And we get frustrated with our partner's little perfectionistic tendencies. So if my wife needs an hour and a half to get ready before we go anywhere yeah. and I need 15 minutes because I don't care, right. then she's a problem. Yeah. Of course, I have my perfectionism about my work. That's right. And I stay late at work and then yeah. I'm a problem. So, so true. Our, our little perfectionist picadillos are hurting each other all the time, but they're all based on a misconception. Perfection does not mean or have to mean an ideal, flawless self. Right. So what could it mean? Well, we can look at some alternatives yeah. uh, that come out of different traditions. For example, out of Christianity. This is a Christian country. Yeah. And uh, we all are familiar with the verse in Matthew 5, 48, 
where we're commanded to be yeah. perfect. And yeah. this Great. makes Christians have an extra right. sort of dose of perfectionism. That's why they always well, – and it's almost the whole Judeo-Christian because there's always the yeah. jokes about – the you know the the um, the Jewish guilt or the Catholic guilt or the Mormon guilt. I mean, yes. it's like so it comes from that Judeo Christian ethic. Yeah, religious people feel guilt like nobody's business. <laughs> we are addicted. I'm pretty to sure guilt. that doesn't seem like that would have been the, the intent. It doesn't seem to be the intent. So we have this mystery of a God, you know, Christ, who says, "Be perfect like your Father in heaven," which yeah. is impossible. Right. What does he mean by that? Well, no one ever reads the verses that come before. Yeah. What does it say? It talks about the way our God is perfect in this regard. He salutes his enemies as much as his friends. Hmm. His sun rises on the just and the unjust. His rain falls upon the righteous and the unrighteous. He loves all his children evenly. His love is perfect in that it leaves no one out. He's perfectly even and loving and balanced. Exactly right. Uh, and so that's a different way to understand yeah. perfection. Can I love perfectly in that I don't just love the people I like? Yeah. I also love the people I don't like. That's super hard. Yeah. But it's more achievable than trying to be as perfect as God the Father is perfect. That's right. See, but it just seems easier to try to be perfect at bowling. At, at Cause, bowling? Yeah, because then I know. <laughs> I nailed them. I hit every one of them. That's true. But, but the thing is, is bowling won't bring me peace. Love it's, will. It, that's right. And it's not the perfection we really care no. about. I mean, it gets us excited. If we bowl a perfect game, that's a big deal. But it won't last. The perfection Mm -hmm. we care about is our achieving our ideal self. But if we can replace that with a conception of perfection that is love, evenness, balance, I think we have a better chance. Oh, I do too. And it's achievable for Christians in a unique way. Christianity is probably the most radical religion on this point because you have a God who's perfect in heaven who willingly comes down to earth and allows himself to be a baby. Yeah. And to live among people as oh, people. Yeah. To be scarable, woundable, changeable. Yeah. Taken advantage of. Exactly. Ignored, abandoned. So that a God who had the kind of ideal form of perfection Plato talked about willingly gave some of that up to be among us means perfection must mean something else. Yeah, yeah. That's a great – and I mean it's – it was taken away. I mean he didn't stoop. I mean I guess the word – he descended below – that's right. But yeah. out of love, not out of just disgust. You guys gross me out. It's because he loved us. So again, so maybe the, the antidote yeah. is to love yourself, to love others, to love your God. That would be great. That would be There's a great, a great step. Beginning. <laughs> I think the first step, at least for Christians, is to yoke yourself to Christ. Yeah. Accept his love because his love is perfect. That's right. And you just have to accept it. And be with him in that yoke. And then you can love others more perfectly. And then we're going to loop back. I can already hear him. Yeah, but after all we can do, we still got to do our part. Come on, Jeff. You I ever, st- you ever I- wonder what, what <laughs> the we pronouns mean in that verse? Yeah, with There's God. the we are saved, which mm-hmm. means those who need saving, human beings. After all we can do could mean us with Christ. Yeah. Which is, again, the only way to probably do it. That's right. So I'm pretty sure the pronouns aren't exactly the same in that verse. You know, Jeff, it's almost like you've thought this through. <laughs> I've thought about it a little bit because I'm a perfectionist, so I need <laughs> the help. So you, you, yeah, you had to write your own justification out. <laughs> All psychologists are trying to solve problems right. they themselves deal with. That's exactly right. <laughs> but I, I love this too, and it also says that um, if I get that concept and I'm not the one suffering perfectionism, I'm the one suffering the effects of a living with a perfectionist. Yes. I can use the same principles of love and understanding and Absolutely. caring to, to help them. Come to them even. Don't be above your spouse or below your spouse. 
Don't don't play that game. No. But come to them as someone who's equally dependent on Christ, for example, and and love them with that Christian love. Try to see them through his eyes. I yeah. mean, that's going to be a, a kind of perfection that is achievable and desirable, a relational perfection rather than an individual perfection. Can, I mean, just though how lonely your life is if you're always inadequate. That's right. Because in, in, it's also in relation. So you're constantly... As long, I mean, I can be as great as I want until the next best guy comes. Exactly. Then all of a sudden, all your values just diminished. Well, and I know a lot of people in my faith tradition who just think they're outside of God's reach until mm. they get themselves worked out. Like, I have to become perfect, and then grace yeah. can come. That, yeah, then he'll That's let you That's just crazy. That is That's, crazy. You're never going to be in God's grace. You're gonna, well, you won't accept his grace. Mm. And then you miss, and you miss the chance to learn in your battle. I mean, what, are, what right. I love about this, this is a great, it, it, again, if if this is your problem, perfectionism, mm. it's a problem, but get in line. You know, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's other problems, right? I mean, yeah. th- that's what's so powerful about living is on this earth is get in line. Would you rather have, you know, a transgender dilemma where you don't know who you are mm-hmm. and who your identity is and you're battling that? Would you rather have abuse that we're seeing like through the NFL thing? I mean, it's there's yeah. a lot of trials and this is just one of them. Well, and perfectionism is a luxury for people who are pretty well off. You don't see a lot of perfectionists living in huts. I yeah, mean, you don't. They're just trying to survive <laughs> and right. get food. We're we're It's focused. a first world problem. It's a first world problem. Oh, for sure. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're uh, talking with Jeffrey Reber. I was going to I called you It's Reber. Reber. I called you Reber. No worries. It's Reber, just so you know, Jeff. I forgive your mistake. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you allowing my imperfection. We're talking perfection with the man, the myth, the legend, Jeffrey Reber, associate professor of psychology at Brigham Young University. We'll be right back. We're going to continue this discussion. If you have any questions, comments about perfectionism, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-242-8298, or tweet us at BYU Radio. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show in the house with Dr. Jeffrey Reber. He's an associate professor of psychology at Brigham Young University. He's, uh, he's let's just say, he's the, the king of perfection. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is not the title you want. No. Married, four kids, uh, PhD from Brigham Young University, but he is he's an expert. He's been studying perfectionism. It's his... Um, He's, in fact, he's nearly perfected it. <laughs> right. It's just – it's sad because – I mean I, I think this is uh, – this is kind of the world 101. Yeah. Is this theory of – because it so kind of feeds our ego. So we, our ego likes to either have the over, I'm better than everyone, or the under, I'm worse than everyone. Yeah. But either way, you're predictably messed up. You are. But, you know, as I said before, it's very appealing because we yeah. seem to accomplish more by being perfectionistic than not. Yeah. But I don't know what would happen if we were able to grip onto an alternative view of perfection like we talked about before. Right. Love, relational perfection. Maybe we'd be just as successful. I don't know. 
Well, or yeah, yeah, it might change, huh? Because how would yeah. you compete if you weren't tr- going for perfection? Right. What would some of those things be? I don't know if our sports would be quite as interesting mm. if we didn't have. We'd people be really reaching. grateful that just everyone was trying. Yeah. If Michael Phelps was like, you know, I'll just kind of kick it, swim yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I love everyone though. Yeah. You know, in the pool with Give me. Give me a hug. Get over here. <laughs> Get over here, you. So there's some risks, it's I true. think. I think there's some benefits with perfection as we conceive it now, but I think the risks outweigh the benefits. We uh-huh. have people who are depressed oh, yeah. in high, high numbers. Anxiety is rampant, and people are just suffering from guilt and, and, and despair. Yeah. So in my business, that's what I see, and so I'm concerned about those folks. What do you do? Like, what, what do you do with a perfectionist? And first of all, it just seems like for some. You may have a child, a teenager or whatever, or your wife or a husband that is a perfectionist. How do you get someone else to see what you're seeing? Really hard. I mean, that's they're like, locked in. Yeah. And, and they need that. That is they need this story because yeah. their psyche has built this story to suit them. That's right. It supports everything they do. So you pull that out. You're pulling a lot of stuff out. It's unsettling. No question about it. You work with someone and you try to help them reconceive perfection in a different way and they don't like it. Mm-mm. They've achieved a lot using it. They Same. think it's the way to go. And it's good to – you know, you have the advantage. Comparatively, yeah. you are ahead. Yeah. You can always find someone worse off than you. But exactly. <laughs> but then but then meanwhile there's still the people that are that but they'll still suffer with depression. Or yeah. you're on top of the wave right now, but eventually you're gonna ride that wave into the shore. Yep. And then you'll be a heap. You'll be in a heap. And you may lose your loved ones because your focus is so self interested that you don't keep your your marriage, your relationships. Is it um is it something that you really can rid yourself of? Oh, I think so. Have Absolutely. you seen that? Yeah. It takes, as I said, reconceiving perfection in a different way. Yeah. Seeing it more relational, communal rather yeah. than individual. Yeah. Less about an ideal and more about uh, a way that we love. Yeah. And then it, it, it takes allowing yourself to make mistakes and not letting uh, those mistakes be made right sometimes. This happens when we work with people with OCD. Yeah. Which obsessive thinking is part of perfectionism yeah, it often. Is. Um, forcing them to deal with, let's say they're a germaphobe and you, you can't open envelopes because of people's saliva. Yeah, they spit all over it. Right? You force <laughs> them to open the envelope and you force them to wipe it all over their couch and wipe it all over their body and you don't let them shower and you don't let them wash. You kind of expose them to the very thing they fear and they got to they gotta be with that. Yeah. Now, you support them in yeah. that, but it allows them to see it's not the end of the world. No. And it's then, not and then, the end of the world. And, well, and then aggregate the data. Yeah. Look, you lived. That's right. So if people can allow themselves to fail and see that it's not the end of the world and if they can realize that failure is growthful, mm-hmm. then they start to make changes away from that I can't ever make a mistake mentality. That is um, – in fact, I, I got to do that twice with clients today where they were basically arguing perfection. Uh-huh. They needed to be perfect and they weren't. And the reason their husband was leaving them or his wife was leaving them because they weren't perfect. Mm. And then all I had to do is really what, what's the data? Give me the data. Right. And they didn't have a lot of data for how they weren't perfect. Hmm. They couldn't really recall. Mm. But, well, he said that he was mad because I wouldn't feed him a, I wouldn't feed him a certain food because <laughs> it was bad for his diet. So I go, okay, so there's one. Yeah. So that's why you're not – that's why you're not perfect. But – so is there mm. any other data that you are a really great spouse? Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, and then she could give me other data. But we ignore the data, don't we? We we don't. We do. We want to. We're selective. So part of perfectionism is you're selecting your imperfections That's when you right. need to beat yourself up, or your perfections, or your good qualities when you need to look good. Yeah, it's all in the service of your mood. You know, I was just talking with my intro class about belief perseverance. People look for evidence that confirms what they want to find. Yeah, they don't pay attention or they deny the evidence that disconfirms. That's so true. And you got parents who they think their kid's the next Mia Hamm in soccer, <laughs> and they won't pay attention to the fact that she's kicking into the wrong goal. That's right. You know, yeah. it's <laughs> the coach's fault. She's chasing butterflies. Yeah, it's right. someone else's fault. And so we got to look at the evidence truthfully, yeah. honestly. And what we'll find is a host of errors, mistakes, imperfections, along with some good accomplishments and achievements. Well, and it seems like sometimes the great imperfection is the powerful thing. You know what I mean? The, yeah. it's, it's the mistake that creates the generation of the next idea. Mm-hmm. It's, that's the post-it note invention, right? It was just some glue that didn't quite stick. Oh, yeah. If and, we could see Einstein's notes yeah. and oh. realize how many times yeah. he got it wrong before he got it right, we would realize that we're on the wrong track yeah. to innovation mm-hmm. and invention. But see, that's, that's like, I guess, the intellectual way we want to think ourselves out of it. How do I get rid of the feeling that I'm my value is based on my outcomes? Yeah, this is a hard one. That seems like that's you the have rub. to learn to love weakness. You have to learn to love your inadequacy. You have to learn to realize you're dependent on a kind of grace that may come from God or from the love of a of a spouse mm-hmm. or children. I mean, I've made mistakes with my my kids, yeah. and it's really hard to go to them and say, "I did wrong by you." Because as parents, we like to yeah. think, hey, I'm the parent. I can, right. You know, I'm right and you're wrong. But to go to them and say, I am really genuinely sorry for what I did, and then to have our son or daughter forgive us in love and grace, you realize people are accepting of this. It's not like I have to be a perfect parent. Yeah. My kid will love me more, I think, if I come to him or her and repent for my errors than if I act like I've got nothing wrong. Well, and now you've made it okay. That's Right. So for them. what a great gift. Then they, we don't have to build this illusion of perfection. Yeah, we model for them flawed lives with repentance is actually the way to go. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Not and, our intent. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have a chance to not be – not make the mistakes we make. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which sounds perfectionistic, but I don't mean it that way. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and th- or they'll just make their mistakes. That's right. Right? Um, so as a dad – uh, if we see our children struggling with this, we approach them. What do we do? What do we say? What are some things we could do that would help them model it, feel better about not being so caught up in Well, perfection? first, don't rescue them right off the bat. You let them actually feel the outcome of a loss. Speaking of innovation and invention, our kids might find a way to resolve their concern that's really quite creative and mm-hmm. valuable, and they'll grow from it. So when we jump in with this kind of snowplow mentality to clear a path for our kid to be safe and never have any issues, we rob them of the chance to actually grow through struggle Mm -hmm. or failure or errors. So I wouldn't rescue them right off the bat. Let it let it let it fall where it's going to fall. Right now, obviously, if a car's about to hit them, we yeah, rescue. Let's not them. let them. <laughs> hey, get out of the road. <laughs> We're not like you need to learn yeah. from this impact. How know? did that feel? <laughs> right. Did you learn something? <laughs> yeah. But we do need to let them learn through their own experience right. and their own agency and choices. But we can provide support, and we can encourage them. Son, you're going to make mistakes, and when you do. Come to me and let's talk about them. Yeah. I'm not going to show you how not to make mistakes, but I'm going to accept you 
as a mistake maker. Yeah. Dude, and it just seems like instead we we talk about the great stuff they did. Sometimes we nitpick the bad stuff they did. That's right. So how, how do we ha- – what should we talk to them about? The whole picture, I guess? We shouldn't praise unless the praise is actually connected to something they've done. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much praise going on for just being a person. Yeah. You know, every kid gets a trophy on the team now no matter what they do. Mm. I'm not saying we shouldn't give trophies. Yeah. But it doesn't mean anything if the praise is just automatic and no matter right. what. Right. So praise has to be connected to actions. If my child does something good – and the actions ought to not be perfect actions. But if my child does something good – like my favorite example is if I saw my kid go and sit with another kid who was alone at lunch, I'm going to praise that. You bet. Because it's compassion and I want to see compassion in my kid. So you could actually praise the principle lived. That's right. The principle exercise, compassion, hard work. Yes. I mean maybe don't praise just the touchdown. Right. Praise the hard work that led to the touchdown. That's a wonderful way to put it. Yeah. Don't praise accomplishments. Praise effort. Yeah. Praise attributes. Principles, attributes. Characteristics yeah. that are being developed. Because what's cool about that, again, if you're going to go perfect something, good. Perfect an attribute. Exactly. Perfect a characteristic, right. a trait. And that's more other-focused than self-focused because so attributes yeah. are outward reaching. And two, I guess, service. I mean, if you're going to perfect something, go perfect serving Mrs. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't or know better how you perfect yet, that. Why don't you work on the perfecting of other people rather than yourself? Yeah, help them be better. Why not help them achieve more? It's yeah. always so self-focused. We could be other-focused. That's so true. And that's where the altruism comes in that yeah. I like to, to study, you know? Help another to be better rather than focus on yourself. Do you sense overall we are getting better? So as somebody that studies uh, altruism and perfectionism, because a lot of times you feel like we're not. We're, we're mm. falling apart as a society. Yeah. Are we getting better? It depends on what you use to measure. What we're measuring. I, I like, sat, let's just do the Vegas odds. Right. <laughs> I think we're getting better in some areas for sure. Yeah. Um, I think there's areas where we str- struggle for sure. Oh, and, wow. uh, and some of those we don't see. So mm-hmm. that's why we're, I'm doing this kind of work yeah. is to help us see something we haven't really been able to pay attention to yeah. closely. Man. Yeah. Well, it's good work. Thank you so much. Keep it up. You're going to come back? I would love to be back. Even though I didn't pronounce your last name right a couple times? You need more opportunities to try. I will. Jeffrey <laughs> Reber is his name. Not Reber. That's the that's the imperfect way to pronounce it. That's right. Jeffrey S. Reber, Associate Professor of Psychology here at BYU. Look him up, folks. Look him up. We'll have him back on the show. Tons of great insight. Again, folks, as we look at it... Um, Maybe the antidote is a little more love, love of self, love of others, service, trying to help other people become perfect. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion. More fun, more ideas, more solutions, combating perfectionism right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. And today we are walking you through the prickly uh, minefield. That sounds weird. Yeah, Perfectionism. (laughs) I'm trying to use peas. And um, perfectionism is a big deal. In the house, Merritt Meekum. Here I am. By the way, honestly, Merritt, incredible. Now incredibly talented merit young 
She's one of the youngest people on the staff. She's about to graduate in a few semesters. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. We're not even going to give her age because you would just know she's the real deal. <laughs> but she's but what, so when I look at you, I think, okay, here's a woman that is so confident. She knows she's got the world by the tail and you're just spinning it. Is that wow. true? Is that that's, what you feel? You know, that's not what I feel <laughs> at all. <laughs> Why? You've got so – you've got the brains. You, you're good. You know, I think – The looks, the hair. Everyone always <laughs> talks about your hair. It you've is, got killer glasses like me. fluffy today. So. But they love your hair. Everybody always wants to like touch your hair. It's true. That's a little weird. That was James that came in and was just like touching on your hair. He's just – he's compensating. <laughs> <laughs> Perfection is not what it's about. That's what we're talking about on the show. So talk to me, Merritt. Yeah, well, so I thought it was interesting that we were bringing this topic up on the show because um, last – well, two weeks ago now, um, a family friend came and asked me about – she knew that I had always been perfectionist ever yeah. since I was a little kid. And her son, who I absolutely love, you know, is my little friend. Your little buddy. He is in elementary school and he's already showing that he really struggles with these kind of perfectionist issues where he won't, you know – Homework's scary because you don't know if you can do it right and all these things. And she just asked me if what, you know, what pushes you over that? Yeah. What what finally stops you from being so inhibited by this? And I had to say nothing, nothing really still, does. Yeah. Nothing can <laughs> but, stop me. I'm still – Yeah. But yeah. the thing is what you do is you learn how to cope with it and uh, it's kind of un- – well – it's not kind of unpleasant. It's really unpleasant. Yeah. You know, because the... Because you want to of... not have it. You want to... You would love yeah, to just exactly. let not... You'd love to just let that paper go in. Yeah. Let's just turn the paper in. Yeah. I don't need to keep rereading it and re-editing it. Let's just let... Let's just put it in. Yeah. So the thing is, to get over perfectionism, you have to fail at some point. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I got my first non-A grade, non-A plus grade while I was in high school. And it was really hard for me, which sounds ridiculous. And I know it does. And the kind of, you know, the logic behind that makes it probably even worse. But I knew that was silly of me to be so upset about it. But I was because in my mind, I thought, well, I didn't do my best. I didn't achieve what I could have when in all reality I had done my best. Well, and it could have just been it doesn't even mean your best wasn't good enough. It could have been the professor had a bad day. Yeah. Misgraded or the teacher misgraded, misjudged. But that's the thing is that eventually you just – you kind of accrue these failures and you learn that as bad as you think it will ever get, it's it's not going to be that bad. Yeah. And so sometimes I have to sit myself down and I think, okay, what is the worst possible thing that could happen? And when you actually think it through, it's never that bad. It's never that bad. So usually, you know, you're kind of thinking in your head, you're like, well, everybody will stop loving me. Well, then you'll be I'll abandoned be alone for the rest you'll of my life. Alone in yeah, Idaho. but no, really what it means is I might have to do an extra credit assignment later no, in the semester no, you or won't. or yeah, you or even not. Cuz you had the rest A's. <laughs> no. You had an A minus <laughs> and it's like no, you would you don't know an extra credit yeah. assignment. That's how I lived. I could only get a C <laughs> average with extra credit. But you know, this is really important cuz here's the point. Um, there's another, so I believe perfectionism, there's a real source for why we're a perfectionist and it's never about what we talk about. No, not at all. So one of the rules I say that is we have to go dig deeper and find what is your real cause for being a perfectionist. And it may have been your fear, 
mm-hmm. a fear of being unaccepted, a fear of being not good enough, a fear of making – I mean a fear of not pleasing a parent, a fear of something else. Now, we won't diagnose you. But, <laughs> That's nice of you. But like how many times – and he was talking about the snowplow parent. How many times do we go snowplow parent for our children and we say it's to help them because we want them to get a really good start in life? Yeah, yeah. But sometimes it's really because we want them to not be – Dependent on us. <laughs> yeah, that but doesn't sound nearly as good. It's not as attractive no. as it. And yet, so we, we, we pretend like we want it to be about our children, but really it's about we want to be seen as good parents. Yeah. So everyone out there in listener land, be thinking, what is driving some of your perfectionistic tendencies? Is it so you, you don't want to see? I'm, I'm almost the opposite. I'm not afraid to fail. I'm probably more afraid to succeed. <laughs> yeah. Like that scares me because what if you succeeded? Then you, know, <laughs> then you have to measure up. Then, yeah, then you have to succeed again tomorrow. So let's not kill ourselves. Another one that I love to think about with perfection is focus on momentum, not perfection. I love that. Don't you think that's cool? No, that's, that's because a lot of what happens when you're a perfectionist is you kind of freeze up. You oh, don't yeah. want to attempt anything right. for fear that it won't measure up. But if you just keep moving, that's about the best you can do. That's I it. mean, that is. And so if you could be perfect at gaining and regaining momentum yeah. after you fail. So if you fail, just get good at momentum. Then it's Then you just can keep going. We'll just keep trying. And we master the art of movement. I call it shucking and jiving. <laughs> you just got to keep moving, keep shucking and jiving, and eventually you get you get really effective at that. And so then, if all of a sudden you hit a wall, okay, that one didn't work. Yeah, and you try just, the next you direction. Just keep going. You keep yeah. trying. That's huge. Another goal or tool I teach when I work with clients is to focus on intangibles just as much as tangibles. What exactly? Well, again, we tend to measure our perfection, and it's the easiest way to do it in tangible measures. That's why bowling and baseball are two of the things you can do perfectly. Yeah, because I could get all strikes in a, yeah. in a bowling okay, game. Okay, you but... tell me this because you're the music queen expert. <laughs> can, you, can you play a perfect mu- concerto? Absolutely not. It cannot be done. No, cannot be done. Why? Now, you can play the notes perfectly. Could, you, could that you could, yeah, you could the not miss a note. note. You could That's not true. miss a note, but miss the intangibles. You, yeah, you could miss phrasing. You could be a little off in your counting. You uh-huh. could have not been loud enough or quiet enough at a certain point. You could have not put the emotion there that you wanted to. Interesting. There's so much. Which is where that the feeling to seems to be. Yeah, yeah. The connection. So my rule is. What if in our lives we focus just as much – if you're going to be perfectionist, if you're going to be a perfectionist, focus on the intangible things like we were talking about a lot, l- later – earlier, I mean. Your character traits, your hard work, your work ethic. Yeah. Be really per- – if, if you really want to use that energy some way, which <laughs> I would probably suggest you don't, focus on the intangibles, character, hard work, service, love, yeah. appreciation. Um, how about this one? Where do we go when we start to feel – uh, like we're imperfect. Where do you go? What, where is where is your lack of your failure today? Where does it take you? Where's your biggest worry? Is it is it what happened right here, or is it what will happen tomorrow because of it, or is it what ha- what what happens if I keep this pattern up? It's you know it's usually you kind of think you catastrophize, and yeah. it so it goes far in the future is where all of your worries are. That your tiny mistake will just kind of start this, mm-hmm. the bull rolling, and it well, won't be able to stop. One of the things I learned in public speaking is um, when I make a mistake, which I, I make a mistake speaking on the air every five seconds, <laughs> but 
the the river just keeps flowing. Yeah. So all I have to worry about is right now. And if I can just worry about maintaining my momentum now, right now, I don't need to worry about the next break. No, and it's likely that nobody will even remember right. that you stumbled over a word. No one will because yeah. it's so downriver. So find your peace in the present state, not the perfect future condition. You have no control over the perfect future condition. You can find a ton of peace right here, right now. Merit, you're the best. Thank you. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you have this bout with um, perfectionism. <laughs> it certainly uh, provides me with some energy, like and you said. Honestly, it provides us with a lot of great work because <laughs> you're working your head off. It's going somewhere for the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, Brooke Walker will be joining us. Brooke uh, from Studio 5 here, a lifestyle show in in Salt Lake City. She is a recovering perfectionist, and she's going to teach us some of the things she has learned as she's been overcoming, um, you know, her tendency to want to be perfect. We're taking a break, folks. We'll be right back. More ideas, more solutions up next on the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here. Hey, your guide on the side. Today we are walking you through the intricacies of perfectionism. And uh, again, some of us have the fear of uh, failure. That might be a perfectionist. I have the fear of success. I, I don't know what we call that. James, will you look up a definition for the opposite of perfectionism? What is my ism? Be thinking that through. Okay. Unless you've got it on the tip of your tongue. We're going to take uh, a call here. Not We're actually going to not. We're going to Brooke Walker, our queen, our expert. Brooke is a great friend of mine and a friend of the show. She is um, a, a uh, the host of the Studio 5 show with Brooke Walker, which is a lifestyle show on KSL television, which airs throughout the Intermountain area. She uh, is a recovering perfectionist and... Honestly, every time I go on her show, nobody really looks more put together than Brooklyn Walker. Brooke, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. What a compliment. Thank you so much. And I'm, I've just been listening the last few minutes and wishing that I'd been listening all hour. It sounds like it's been a good show it's today. It's huge. You know what we're, lo- we're learning here, Brooke? What? There's people that want to be perfect. And are most of those people women? I'm just You know kidding. what I did? I asked the good professor that off the air if this tends to be male-female. He says it tends to be female, statistically. Yeah. More I, I mean, as we start to think about this, yes, I'm a self-identified recovering perfectionist, but yes. so is every one of my sisters, my mom, my girlfriends. I feel like this is kind of a female problem. You know what? I think it has something to do with Pinterest. Is that it? I don't know. No, I think Pinterest has only made the problem worse. I yeah. think the problem was there before, but certainly now that we, when we fire up our Pinterest boards, we see what we're supposed to look like, what our dinners are supposed to, you know, look like yeah. on the table, what In our parties are supposed way. to. Yeah, exactly. It's all there. But I, I've, I have felt it when I come to your show. It's an awesome show, Studio 5. Um, the, you were the first people, and it wasn't you. It was actually someone else. I won't name names. But they told me I need makeup. <laughs> and right then I got, I, I got offended. Like, now wow. Now it's time to call that person out. Who was it? Was it Michelle? No, it was Darren. 
Oh, okay. Darren Adams like, you might want to get some makeup. You need some makeup because men on TV, Matt, we, you, as you know now, yeah, yeah. wear makeup. I know. I didn't even know that. So did you feel like we were forcing you into a perfectionistic box at that yeah, moment? Yeah. Like your skin is flawed because uh-huh. up? And then that's the first time I went to Nordstrom's. <laughs> There's to the no makeup counter that. and bought my first Matt, Mac. Matt, yeah. Matt, what? There's no S on Nordstrom. Oh, isn't there? I'm going to help you be even more perfect. So it's Nordstrom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. I, I went there to Nordstrom. Yes. And um, sat there and they picked my f- my color of makeup. <laughs> what color are you? I don't know. It's a number. I can't remember the number. Yeah, you're probably, well, it was probably two letters and then a number, like yeah. NC. Yeah, uh-huh. it was like that, but it's 20-something, I think. <laughs> it's pretty dark. And um, but uh, So right then I started thinking, oh, and then I, it's hard because I go on your show and I see all these women. Every one of them you know just bought a brand-new outfit. They're decked out. Of course. I'm wearing my blazer with, like, I don't know, McDonald's fry sauce on it. Oh, but you rock that blazer laced <clears throat> with fry sauce like nobody's business. I know. Have you noticed that? Yeah, and that NC, totally your color. So you are, you're good. Oh, well. I think I'm becoming you're a perfectionist. Good. Not really. Hey, but uh, um, talk to me, Brooklyn. What does a recovering, because you have to live this every day. So if you right. have a blemish, does it just throw you, not that you would, I mean, hypothetically. Right. Because you've never had a blemish. Never, ever. But never, if you ever, happen ever. to have yeah. A, yeah, a poor well, it was clog. the worst thing in the world. I'll try not to let this whole conversation revolve around makeup. Yeah. Because, you know, get a girlfriend started on that and you'll just talk all day. That's right. But one of the biggest horrors of my life was sitting down with the makeup consultants when everything switched over to HD. Yes. And they said, okay, there are two main enemies of HD television. One is the color red. It just jumps out of the screen anytime there's red. So, really? you know, we've got so automatically my mind goes to the blemishes that are never there, right? Yeah. The red blemishes. Then they say enemy number 2 is texture. And any woman sees where this is going who's listening right now, but you use texturized makeup to cover up the red blemishes. Oh. So I figured I was pretty much just out of luck. But anyway, yeah. more than just makeup though, I really had to get over the perfectionist syndrome in the TV industry period, because a lot of people just sit back and watch TV and you think, oh, you know, there's a host or a guest Mm -hmm. talking on camera. And then you might go as far as to think, okay, someone's actually, there's a person behind that camera, pushing the buttons, focusing the lens. But what they really don't think about, and that's, we don't want you to, but it's okay. But they don't think about the hundreds of other people behind the scenes, meaning the producers, the editors, the directors, Everyone has this little piece of the TV pie. Yes. And honestly, we joke it's amazing we're on the air every day because so many people have to put a drop into the bucket to fill it up, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about control and perfectionism, TV almost required of me early that I give up that control because sitting in front of the camera, you're just 2% of the puzzle. Oh. And so many other people, their jobs and their talent and their accountability comes into play. And it's totally out of your control. Right. Well, and then after the, each show, you go have a post-mortem yes. where everybody nitpicks every everything. Every Yeah. And you get really good about just turning over a new leaf every single day. Now, do you? Because I would be – I'd be a mess. Well, not at first. At first, that's really hard. Like you go – because it's very pointed and, and, and blunt, right? Yeah. Like you screwed that up. That graphic was wrong. 
that edit was bad. Oh, Brooke, were you speaking English on TV? We can't be sure. It didn't quite sound right. <laughs> I mean, there are all sorts of blames to be cast. And sure. for a while, you go home and you absorb that every day. But then after a while, you have to get over it and realize that it's just about accountability and everyone's raising their hand to their own mistakes. But you definitely have to give up control. So a perfectionist doesn't survive very long in the TV industry. Does it, oh, they don't. Does it feel like you get better? Like, were you getting better as you were getting this feedback? I mean, you, you're one of the best, I think, all around because you ad lib, you do everything. But oh, did nice. you get that by being beaten up? I mean, they took you to task. Oh, totally, totally. I refuse. I'm at a point where I now refuse to watch the first year, two years of my on-air life because it's so painful. No, you know what? I love so watching terrible. it. I oh, never laughed harder. Terrible. That's it's hilarious. Those little, it's those little suggestions of improvement that, you know, piece by piece start to work on you until you're hopefully a little more smooth and polished than you were the year before. <laughs> It's scary. Feedback's it? hard. How do you how do you get used to getting feedback? Just do it. Yeah, and there's something about I think I think something about TV, you have to separate your person like your being from the words that they're saying about you. Sure. And that's hard in, on TV because it's so personal. It's your face. It's your voice up there. It's your you know persona up there. But you have to really separate it and realize that's just part of the product. Yeah, it's just an know, output. Takes time. Do you? Um, do you and Mark just sit there and give each other postmortem feedback on your <laughs> dates and your? Can I just no, fill you I in? On... Try that. I should really try that. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't like it. No, yeah, probably not. Date reviews, date critiques probably wouldn't go over so well. <laughs> or anything really. Um, but again, I'm amazed because I. Do you like to watch yourself? Not like you, that sounds weird. Do well, you? Yes, are you okay can, watching I, yourself? I've gotten to the point where you kind of have to be, where, you know, you walk past the TV at the gym or you sit down with a consultant and they, you run tape like you would a football player and a coach. So you get to be a little more comfortable with it, but I don't know if you ever come to no. like it, you know. Have you – tell me how I should respond to this because you're what? a professional. So I'm sitting down with a client, happens to be a um, plastic surgeon. Yes. And we were talking about his job and all this stuff that people are doing and he's go, he, just, he basically just says – you know, you really wouldn't need that much work. Uh, if I could just, and then he gave me just a few little things he'd want to do on my face. You see, that's their job, though. I had a similar yeah. experience. I went to the dermatologist a couple of weeks ago. I had a couple little, it's called melasma. Women get it, but it's little brown patches on your skin. Mm-hmm. So I went in and, and I said, I, I've heard about this cream to lighten your skin, and I was hoping you could prescribe that to me. I See, I've got it here under my right eye and a little patch here so under you, my you'd left eye. So you had already eye. self-diagnosed. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm telling the that's doctor right. what right. I need at this point. I think he appreciated it. His time is money, sure. right? Highly efficient. But the funny part was, he goes, sure, 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 yeah, 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 here's your prescription. He goes, oh, and by the way, and he paused, he goes, I wouldn't be afraid to use it here either. And he points, like, above my lip where I did not even know there was a melasmic problem. So I was laughing about that. Because wow. Really, yeah. I See, mean, but yeah, you were in his office. You were in the office. See, th- yeah. this, this doctor was in my office. Oh, see, that's a reversed ver- yeah. reverse role. And then he pulled out a, mic- a, a little magnifying glass and a, and a light. <laughs> No, he didn't. And he started checking my moles. No, no he totally he really did. Didn't. He did. I'm like, no, back that's off. That's odd because he's paying you to help him in I that know. position. And then he's throwing out some free advice like, hey, yeah. I could fix your nose. I think he was trying to avoid the topic of his marriage. Well, you know, men sometimes do that when you know, things go south. We want to dance. We want to dance. So, um, Brooke, what else do we need to know? We've got this. We've got a couple more minutes and then about uh, another segment. What else do we need to know about managing our uh, 
perfectionistic tendencies. Well, here's, I was thinking over a couple scenarios that kind of seem to reflect it how, and I'm not, I'm still not there yet, but how on this road to recovery, if sure. you will not to say it lightly, because I know people They're have fighting these addictions it. they're recovering from. But in terms of road to recovery with perfectionism, one thing I learned early on, and this is so silly, but the tip would be to just hit send, meaning I found that I was I was spending hours pouring over the details of my emails, my correspondence with, with coworkers and with, with guests of the show, every little semicolon, every little hyphen. I wanted those emails to pretty much be a college English paper before I hit send yeah. and send them over. But then one day I started to notice – well, hey, that person that I spent an hour on sending an email to him last night, his email, he's got six misspellings and, and <laughs> seven grammatical errors. And yeah. What's what you his realize deal? Is no one's looking as close as you ever are. That's right. Ever. That's right. So by just hitting send and spitting out emails, it sounds like such a little thing. No, it's huge. Putting that, yeah, putting that into practice for me, just hit send. Read it over once. It's good enough. Just hit send. And I feel like there are so many life scenarios where we can do that. Just oh, hit send. Oh, I love send. it. Because I love no it. one's looking as close as you are ever. Oh, Brooklyn, good work. We're going to take a break. Uh, by the way, everybody be thinking about that. Just hit send. I do it. I need to do that all the time because you get wrapped up. I couldn't even finish a book because of that. I had to have my my editor just hit send for me. Um, we're going to come back more with Brooklyn Walker. Brooke Walker's her name. Uh, she is lifestyle expert, Studio 5 show with Brooke Walker here on ksl.com. Go to our website, check it out. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. More right here on the Matt Townsend Show. the Matt Townsend Show. Today we've been discussing perfectionism, that tendency, you know, we want everything perfect. We need it perfect. We need to be perfect. It's a really hard ideal. You know, I'd even say it's an impossible ideal to live up to. You know, even though once every once in a while, you're just like, oh man, that was perfect. You nailed it. Great. Celebrate it. But uh, there's somebody that we have on the phones with us, Brooke Walker, from Studio 5 with Brooke Walker, which is a lifestyle show on KSL television here in the Intermountain West. And uh, Brooke is a member of this award-winning KSL News team. She also works with Operation Smile and Primary Children's Medical Center. She is She's on TV every day, one hour a day. And we're talking with Brooke about perfection and this uh, just the, the, the importance maybe of figuring out how to recover if you're going to let perfection go. Brooke, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, sir. You, um, it's every day, one hour a day. Yes. And I've watched you. You are, I call you one take Brooke. Oh boy, you're so kind. Do I miss it? Because you only <laughs> ever give me one take. So we only, but you don't, you don't just keep redoing it and doing it. You get it done. No, right? There's beauty and imperfection. We hope, we hope viewers agree with that. They do. And you already taught us that one of your tricks to overcoming some of the perfectionistic tendencies is just send it. Just hit yeah. send, let it go, write the thing, get it out of here. Right, which, which applied to, in that particular example, emails. But I think in any life situation you find yourself getting hung up in the cycle of perfectionism, just hit send, just let it go, just push it off, just be done. And you'll find that people are never looking as closely at that product or that conversation as you are. So That's you're right. fine. Same thing, public speaking. Nobody really listens. Right. No, it's true. It's just, just it's true. It's it. 
you give them one joke and they're good to go. Oh, that's right. What, what, thing I yeah, what else? Time, we talked about those Pinterest parties, you know what I mean? Yes. One time I threw one such Pinterest Did party. you? Yeah, it was, a, it was a baby shower for my sister. It was the first baby of the family, so we went all out. I come from a family of all girls who all, you know, love Pinterest as much as mm-hmm. I do. So we were all on board with this. And a very detailed party, had it planned down to the very last bow, right, the very last cupcake. And the <laughs> day of the party, it was a big shower. We had 40 people. We were running around trying to execute this perfectly planned vision. And I'll never forget, my mom came up to me from behind. Didn't even, like, look me in the eye, just whispered in my ear, remember you're the host, and walked off. And that was all I needed to reframe Whoa. my perspective. Meaning, yeah. And that's, isn't that such a mom thing to yeah, say, right? Yeah, totally. Like, well, it, didn't, it wasn't condescending, yeah. it wasn't chastising, but just remember you're the host. And I thought about that, and certainly it applies in my professional life. I host a television show. But in our personal lives, we're always hosting something. Maybe we're hosting a family dinner just around the dinner table on a regular weekday. Maybe we're playing host to a conversation. Maybe a parent is hosting, you know, a parenting moment from father to child, mother to son, whatever. But we're always in this hosting position. And if we can remember that our job is to, you know, people will never remember what you said to them or what you did, but they'll remember how you made, how, mm. they, how you made them feel. And so remembering that. that and keeping the frame of mind of, of host, I think, kicks you out of that perfectionistic cycle and rut that we get trapped into. Well, and I know your mom, and she wouldn't have meant that rude, right? No, she, no, no. But, she's, she, but what it is, 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 and this is to me what I find as a host, is one of the keys to hosting is segues. This, the yeah. bridge between one idea to the next idea. So here you have every little perfect thing for this party – you, you, the cupcakes should look a certain way. The place settings or whatever should look a certain way. All these things are perfect, but somebody needs to create the segue between all of these things and the people. Absolutely. And a party is about people, and a host yes. should be focused on people, on your guests. So, again, just reframing that idea when you find yourself getting caught up in the details and wanting things to go just so or be just a certain way or, or rise up to that level of perfectionism. Remember, you're the host in almost every situation, and, and people are what should be at the forefront of your efforts. Man. I like that. Do you? I do. Good. I'm going to steal that. Be the host. You are the host. Be the host, but not like with a virus. No, please don't host any <laughs> virus, bacteria. Yeah, but like be the host. But, but too, because nobody gets it. They, everyone's like, right. oh, I want to do a radio show. And you're like, okay, do it. <laughs> try it. Yeah, good Just luck. Just try it. Right. Try it. See if you right. survive. Because it's hard. Yeah, it is. It's work. But you also have to study. Sometimes you have to work. You have to read a little bit more. You have to read into it, understand. You have to be paying attention to the little things. But I like that tip that you gave me to be the segue. That's really what good hosting is about. That's right. See, it, we're doing it together here, bro. I love it. What else? Give me, give me something else. Give me one more. One more okay, for the one ride. more. So I just remember, and these are funny little life scenarios that I was trying to tie into this topic of perfectionism. But I remember I, I've only been married a couple of years. Mark, we mentioned him often on yeah. the show. Love Mark. Love Mark. Anyway, I remember the first – I got married later, and so I don't know if there was, like, a, a increased need to prove myself. But I remember <laughs> early on in the relationship, I was like, I've got to cook. Good wives cook for their husbands. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. So I was killing myself. I was working, you know, I, I work pretty crazy hours. Mark does too, but I was killing myself to try to get home and get a hot, piping hot meal on the table <laughs> because that's what good wives do, right? Sure, absolutely. And one week in particular, my schedule was loaded heavy, and I just remember feeling like I am such a failure. I threw this lame crock pot meal together. It was one of those, like, yeah. dump every item in your refrigerator that you actually have. It was more crock than pot. It was more crock than pot. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I didn't even know. It was kind of like I said it to low heat, what ran out the door <laughs> just praying that it would be edible by the time I got home. Anyway, by the time I did get home, Mark had beat me there, and he had set the, set the little table for two. Cute. And he would sit down for this, you know, more Crocs and pot meal, <laughs> and he loved it. Like, he stopped short of licking his plate, and I sat there thinking, I was feeling so guilty because yes. the crock pot seemed like the, cro- the cop-out. The cop-out pot. The I can't do it too many times. Yeah. The cop out crock pot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he loved it. And I just had that idea that crock pot meals are always winners, usually. Like, I've never made a crock right. pot meal no. that hasn't, like, totally pleased whoever I was That's feeding. Right. And so you just realize that the simple efforts people appreciate just the same as the extravagant, you know, chicken cordon bleu that I didn't make that night. That also tells you you have a very simple husband. I do. I, listen, I am so glad his expectations are low, and I am so so grateful for that every day. That's right. See, I love that lesson because um, if someone can enjoy the cop-out crock pot yes. as just as much as whatever, a, a filet mignon. Right. You know. Right. But but you don't need to fret. You don't need to worry. So maybe maybe somehow – so did you tell him this? Did you tell him you were freaking out about this? Well, yeah, I kind of laughed out loud, and he didn't get the joke. And I just said, you know, I don't even know what's in here. I think it's like a tablespoon of must- mustard, maybe some mayonnaise. That had it. I mean, really, it was like a dump for all. And he just loved it. And he was just like, well, try to remember because we should totally write this recipe down. Oh, you just, and I oh, just wow. cracked up all the more. Yeah. Because I, really, but, but you think about any crock pot meal. I'm sure Marty's thrown oh, yeah. a crock pot meal together before. They're yeah. always delicious. Yeah. But they're the littlest, simplest effort. And That's so right. people appreciate it just as much as they would if you slaved two hours in front of the stove. And applies to more than just cooking, obviously. Simple efforts go a long way. See, maybe that's why God invented crockpots, to get rid of perfection. Right. Sean has a comment. Don't mock the crock. Don't mock Sean. Are you a crockpot connoisseur? Yes. (sighs) Right up there with your mac and cheese and your frozen mozzarella sticks? Yep. This is what we do. This is what we do on Sundays, actually. When we go to church, we throw throw the stuff in the crockpot. You rock rock the crock. You got that right. We have a a three-soup roast. That is to die for. Knock you off your block. need that recipe. Oh, I, hey, I'll email it to you. See, this is better than Pinterest. Now we're swapping recipes yeah. on the Matt Townsend show. We're calling it Crocktrist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Pinterest, but it's a crock. We're, and We're crocking out here. <laughs> a lot of people call the show a crock. Please be careful. I don't know what that means. But, Brooke, but I think you're nailing it here because you can put anything – Together and it's almost like you just let it go. I mean, not not to not to play on not the. Not to sing the song that we've all been trying to no. get out of our heads but, for six months. Nope, it's back. <laughs> Is it back in your head now? Yeah, it's back. Pretty much there. Let it go. But we have to kind of learn to just get over ourselves. And when you could just walk away, just hit send or plug it in and just hit crock. People will love you. You're still great. Everyone's valuable with or without the crock pot. Well said, Mr. Townsend. Thank you, Brooklyn. You're the best. I'm sure I'll be seeing you Thursday morning. Thursday morning it is. You're awesome. Take care. Thanks so much. We're going to take a break, folks. We're going to wrap up this show. Have you ever heard of the term wabi-sabi? Not wasabi. That's that little green hot, I don't know, wabi-sabi. We're talking about wabi-sabi and the impact on perfection with Maddie Richards when we come back right here on the Matt Townsend Show.
That's it, folks. That is the wrap-up music. Obviously, it is because it's the hoedown music. And anytime you hear the hoedown music, it's time to wrap up the show. Who better to wrap up the show than our own Maddie Richard? Who, by the way, is teaching us a new term today, wabi-sabi, which is a Japanese term, which means what, Maddie Richards? Okay, so wabi-sabi is wabi-sabi. the a, a, a Japanese view, word that talks about the acceptance of imperfection and the beauty of imperfection. There's not really a word for it in English, so they they just kind of translate it to the beauty that is imperfect, impermanent, and incomplete. Isn't that awesome? That's beautiful. So it's imperfect, awesome? it's incomplete, but there's this beauty. But there's to the it. beauty of things that are incomplete, are imperfect. Yes. Like, what better time to talk about this than when we're talking about perfection? Yes. Learning about how you know there is such beauty. Okay. That can, can I be give found. you an example? Yes, and then I'll give you a better one. My son had a birthday party, which, by the way, yesterday was your birthday. It was my birthday yesterday. 16 years old. No. No. I'm 21. 21. Yes. Party. That seemed to hurt. And uh, Merritt's not here, but today is Merritt's birthday. Yes, and she is 20. 20. You just gave it away. I was trying to keep that quiet. Well, and Alyssa, her birthday is on Friday. And Melissa, I mean, Alyssa, how old are you going to be? She'll be 20 as well. Now, here's the deal. My son, did you hear that? My son got a birthday cake at a restaurant because he turned – it was his birthday, right? Yesterday was his birthday too? Well, no. It was a few – Okay. Well, sorry. But they brought us the most messed up kind of lava cake with just everything piled on it Mm -hmm. and it looked horrendous. But it was delicious. And all I could say is wabi – Sobby. Yeah, it was so good because uh, yeah, I totally agree. And I just buried my head right in it. And Sometimes just... I I totally agree. <clears throat> Sometimes you know things that look like a little like you know my mom always kind of all oh, these lemon bars don't look very good. They're a little too no. brown on the top, <laughs> and they're delicious. Yes, yes. Ah, it doesn't matter how a lemon bar looks. No, it just matters how it tastes. Wabi sabi. Yeah, I, sometimes when I'm cutting the brownies, they're a little bit too warm, so they get all mm. piley. But mm. I mean, they're warm, gooey brownies. What do you call it? Wabi sabi. Warm wabi sabi. Yeah. <laughs> so this is showcased in Japan in their tea ceremony, actually. Huh. So you know how they have this traditional yes. tea ceremony that's a big deal in their culture. They often will use pottery that is not symmetrical. That's very simple. That yeah. um, it doesn't. It's not manufactured. It's usually done by hand. hand so it's like it's not yeah. symmetrical. It's very imperfect, and that's the whole idea of this is imperfect, but it is so beautiful, and it's still so sacred and important. To and them. there's this, but there's a ceremony to it. Yet there's the imperfection of the delivery. Yeah, love yeah. it. So in, that's that's this show. Yeah, exactly. That. Perfection yeah. isn't always what – it's not what matters. Perfection is skin deep. Yes. In Japan, I don't know what that means. <laughs> in Japan today, they often condense the idea of wabi-sabi to mean wisdom in natural simplicity, flawed beauty. Love it. Flawed beauty. Isn't that awesome? All right, speaking of flawed beauty, uh, James. <laughs> How did I know this was going to come to <laughs> James um, – hasn't said anything. What do you have to say about this? Give us some wabi-sabi. Some wabi-sabi? No, say like, wabi-sabi. Say, say, yeah. And if you want warm wabi-sabi. 
Well, uh, I was just thinking that that there's a perfect example to show. I mean, I think you are like the embodiment of that mm. of that you know kind of twisted, Dude, imperfect ooh, ooh, uh, ooh. pot that they oh. use for the tea ceremony. Um, I, I I really see that parallel. Maybe you'll want to maybe maybe just try that again. Try to say it in a way that may, I don't know, like um, less offensive. Wabi sabi. Yeah, like wabi sabi. So you're saying that I'm I'm this imperfect. Uh, part of a good ceremony. Yeah. 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 Okay. That, and there's beauty that was, in that. That was great. <laughs> I love it. Not, that's not even offensive. That's totally true. It's wabi-sabi. It's wabi-sabi. I think this has got to be a major part of our show. Yeah, talking about wabi I like it. But nobody knows, what, and we need to make sure we're pronouncing it right, because I'm pretty sure we're not. No, I'm pretty sure we are. Wasabi is a difference, but wabi-sabi. Is it two words? I want, I, yeah, it's, it's got, it's W-A-B-I-S-A-B-I. Okay. I should have asked. That's right. I, I should have asked my my good friend who's in Japan I'm gonna how ask to Google. pronounce it. But Sean, you have an idea too, Sean. Yeah, uh, an I an ideal of wabi sabi. Yeah. yeah, in my life, every single drawing my kids have ever given me that's on the refrigerator. Oh, that's pre- yes, that's perfect. That's a great example. Heavy and wabi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and, but it's so and, true. And when they're when they're you know tear jerkers, then you're got the sabi. That's that the is sim- so cool. And I love it's the simplicity of what f- a child can do. But mm-hmm. it's those are the most treasured things a lot of parents I've have. I've got stuff up in my office right now. Yeah, I know. I've That's seen those. Cool. They're great. Do you know what I'm going to do? Just what? true fact. I'm going to have my grandchildren. I want their artwork because you know what? As a parent. A lot of times you don't know what to do with their artwork mm-hmm. of these beautiful children that come in and they bring you artwork every day. And then you pile it up and then eventually you've got to get rid of some of it. You've got to thin it out. Yeah. I want my grandkids to bring it to me and I am going to shellac my coffin, my casket with oh, it. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that be neat? That's neat. But I also feel like that's a little morbid. It's traumatic. Yeah. But remember, this I'm constantly – This is for grandpa's casket. Uh-huh. That's terrible. No, no. I'm not going to tell them that. It's oh, just okay. when they show up, I'm going to have – all of their paintings. Yeah, they're gonna go. What? Your casket is going to be epic. I, 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 you remember, I'm constantly planning my funeral. Yeah, and you also mentioned a while back that you're going to be, your body was going to be put on top of um, frosted mini wheats. That's with, exactly right. Yeah, oh, with wow. the sweet side up. Uh huh. I also want to be stuffed, and I want to be pointing in kind of like a motivational speaker point. <laughs> That's yeah, that'll be great. And I want to be sitting up. So I guess really my casket will be standing up. No. I want to okay. stand up with Gee. my fingers pointed out and my thumbs up this like This is really horrifying. The bang. I don't like this. Like I'm shooting guns with my fingers. Okay, we're going to Should we get back to wabi sabi? Wabi sabi. That's what okay. you call wabi sabi. No, but here's the wabi sabi that I think Okay. A lot of people uh, do appreciate that they might not even realize is wabi-sabi. I mean, more than my coffin, I guess. Yes, more than your yeah. coffin. Okay. A little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So think about what's your favorite thing about fall? Everybody loves the leaves football. that change – no, the leaves that are changing oh, colors. Okay. I thought it was football. And these are dead leaves. Dead. They're dead and they're cracked and they're brown. But everybody loves the leaves that change colors. That's, right. I think, an example of wabi-sabi, something that's – flawed because it's dying yep but people I, I still right. love that and yeah. it's, they can find so much beauty in when you look up on the mountains and the leaves oh i have a leaf right here sean just sean. presented you with one yeah it's a little yellow leaf but people find so much beauty in that you know by the, the way parallel death it's the <laughs> no, second time not, we've mentioned death let's today. not i really don't like that we talk about no, but leaves are Actually, death but when you do die i will take over the show so really yeah 
Oh, yeah, the Maddie Townsend the Richards Maddie Townsend show. show. Maddie Townsend Richards show. Um, this is great. I love the wabi-sabi idea. We need to use wabi-sabi a lot more. It's so great, So we're right? going to get the official pronunciation and then what do we have. Do you have it yet? Well, I do, but I, I can't seem to – I don't – I don't – Here, Here's another wabi-sabi that I think some people don't understand and don't maybe appreciate in the same way I do. I think abstract art. Jackson Pollock, the splatter paintings. Yes, yes. They're, I feel like, a huge example of wabi-sabi in that they're simple. Yeah. They're not necessarily beautiful. No. By normal standards. But when I I went to the Boston Museum of Fine Art a few weeks ago Mm. and standing in front of a huge Pollock canvas, I mean, there's just something so incredibly beautiful about it, even though it's totally imperfect and totally not art standards. It's great. So – Hold it. That's wabi-sabi? Yeah, I think it's wabi-sabi. It's flawed. It's simple. Yeah, but it was intentional. So it yes. really wasn't flawed. I mean, it seems like flawed would be, ooh, that nice. Well, I think that the, a lot out. of people, you know, have art. There's art standards of what they think is beautiful art. Yeah. And it's it's an imperfect representation of art. And so I Sorry. think it's... What is that? I'll do it again. I just found it. Wabi-sabi. Wabi-sabi. Wabi sabi. I think we were saying it pretty good. Wabi sabi. <laughs> Wabi sabi. <laughs> we're just doing that for recording sake. Um, so here's the deal. We've all got it, right? Yeah. We've all so this wabi sabi is everywhere. Yeah. It can be found in every day. It can be found in every minute of our lives. And I think the the take home that I've learned from talking about and learning about wabi sabi is that there is beauty in everything. Yes. There's beauty in the cracks in the sidewalk. Yes. There's beauty in, you know, I mean, just everything. So w- the whole idea of Wabi Sabi is finding something beautiful in the things that are imperfect, in the mess of your house, in the crazy chaos that is your life. There's beauty in that if you the just par- look That's for the paradox. It. Yeah, it's everywhere. That's the paradox of perfectionism. You can find beauty <sighs> in the things that are not perfect and will never be perfect. Wabi Sabi. Exactly. Uh, which uh, our our boss called in, Don Shaline, wants it, us to clarify it has nothing to do with Kimosabe. Yes. Uh, yes. Tonto. <laughs> Tonto's favorite line, <laughs> Kimosabe. Wabi Sabi. Uh, excellent job. Well done, Maddie. Thanks. Maddie Richard, soon to be the uh, host of the Maddie Townsend Show. Yep. Uh, strive not to be a success, but rather to be of value. Albert Einstein said that. Strive not to be a success, but rather to be of value. Folks, perfectionism. Let's blow it up. Let's start uh, just handling a little more wabi-sabi. We're going to come back tomorrow. More ideas, more tools. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about communication between the sexes. Do males and females communicate differently at work? More insight on that tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Remember to keep finding the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. My friends, you're listening to BYU Radio.